Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Hello, hello. So the chaos continues and the Republicans continue to show us that they are not willing to lead, to govern or to get the job done in any way, shape or form. Uh, they have gone to 10 votes. I don't know. I haven't I didn't see what the last uh, <laughs> where we left last left things. I don't know if they're going to adjourn. I was surprised that they went to 10. I thought they were just going to do uh, three. Do they do because seven, eight, nine. So they did four votes today. And, uh, and you know, a couple of just a couple of different uh, moments, I guess, that were unique to the last couple of days and that there's a new candidate now. Previously, they had uh, nominated uh, Jeff Jordan or Jim Jordan and then uh, Brian Donald, Byron Donald. And then today there's a now uh, <laughs> Hearn. <sighs> Bobert got up to uh, say that uh, she was nominating Hearn, and so that's where uh, where we are now. There's uh, oh, and then Matt Gates nominated Donald Trump, so that was a little bit of I don't know what's going on there. It's all absolute madness. Uh, this is the first time we've had to go past nine rounds of voting since 1923, and before that, this kind of chaos has not really reared its ugly head since. Pre-Civil War time. So that's where we are now. And uh, it is unsettling to know that uh, our our, uh, our General Assembly, our Congress, cannot convene to do the work of the people. And coming up at 6 o'clock, we will talk to Congressman Mike Quigley of the 5th District and uh, find out what he his sense of things are. He also uh, had a video today talking about uh, January 6th. And I know that uh, Officer Fanone, who you might recognize, whether from his testimony or in the interviews in the days following January 6th, uh, he's been very vocal in demanding accountability. And uh, he's asking for a pledge from Republicans to denounce violence in, in, in political violence. I don't think that uh, I mean, because the, th- the issue is for conservatives is if they do that, then they're admitting that what happened on January 6th was wrong, and they are not willing to do that. It, it, to, in their minds, it exposes some sort of culpability. So I, I, um, I commend uh, Officer Fanone for wanting to uh, continue the, the hard work of calling attention to what happened on January 6th, the role that the conservatives played in that situation. Uh, but I don't think uh, – I got into a little bit of a, a tussle, a Twitter tussle, as it were, last night with somebody on uh, social media. But we'll talk more about that because I believe we have mayoral candidate Brandon Johnson on the line with us, who had some good news today uh, following the results of a the most recent poll in part with uh, Crane Magazine, Crane Business. Hello, Brandon Johnson. How are you doing? Hey, Daddy, I'm doing very well. Happy New Year. How are you? Happy New Year. Well, you know, it's been kind of a, a chaotic week, and, and uh, I can't, I'm not telling you anything. I mean, it, watching everything at the national level is fascinating. You are doing the hard work of getting your message out there for why you are running for mayor. Uh, and I know that, uh, you know, when you announced there was a lot of energy, uh, CTU, SEIU organizations that, you know, really fight for working people, put their names behind you. Uh, how have the last few months been for you to get that message out and, and it's got to be gratifying to see a result that reflects what you've been doing is that how you feel yeah yeah it's very humbling um to be in this position but you know we also recognize that for a very long time in this city um 
um, the residents of Chicago have been looking for, you know, a real progressive champion um, that's actually going to speak to the needs of the people in Chicago. And, you know, as a public school teacher in Chicago, as an organizer, and of course now as a Cook County Commissioner, you know, a lot of the, 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 the work and the movement that placed uh, me in the position to be Cook County Commissioner, that same movement um, um, has grown dramatically uh, to put me in the position to lead this city. And absolutely, um, I am excited about it. I'm very humbled by it. And um, it's reassuring to know that there are, you know, uh, black, brown, white, Asian. I mean, it's multicultural, multi-generational movement um, that has really placed the, the issues, the values of working people at the forefront. And um, to be a part of that movement and to be in a position to lead this city is incredibly humbling. I'm really excited looking forward to, to the rest of this race. And I think we're looking forward to the opportunity to lead this city. And, you know, your story, uh, I think when you talk about being a public school teacher, uh, because so much of what goes on in the city, so much of what we talk about, the solutions to big problems, whether it's working with CPD, working with CTU, uh, working with different organizations in order to carry the the heavy lift of making sure that people feel safe and provided for in the sense that whether it's city services or safety on the streets or making sure our kids have an education and also a path forward in a lot of communities that have been choked off from opportunities. That's one of the things that, uh, as as someone who's grown up in Chicago, uh, I, I again and again, I see the lack of attention. What are some of your plans for communities that are hardest hit by, whether it's economics or uh, safety issues, uh, a lot of violence in certain communities where people that live in my neighborhood on the northwest side are just like, ah, that's, that's the south side, that's the west side. What do you envision uh, for those communities if you are the leader of Chicago? Yeah, well, the first thing, I mean, thank you for lifting up, you know, how you know, public education has been you know, really a microcosm of the, you know, the economic challenges, the, the, the deeply stratified um, city that we live in, the, the type of disinvestment that has starved communities for, 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 for decades. And, you know, that, that, that's just critical to acknowledge that, and thank you for doing that. And I started my teaching career at Cabrini Green, which is really the epicenter to what you just described, right? Because my students and the families that I worked with in Cabrini Green could see the wealth of the city. They could hear it, but could not experience it out of their back windows. And out of their front windows, they had bulldozers staring at them, preparing to destroy their public housing. Mm. So for too many families in the city of Chicago, you know, people have been chasing down an economy that's, that's behind us while everything in front of us is crumbling. And that tale of two cities is, 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 has, has caused so much harm and turmoil and trauma in this city where people have won, so those that have get more, and those that have less, whatever they have, it's taken away from them. And that's really why I'm running for um, the office of the mayor, you know, to, 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 to dismantle the structural inequalities that have caused this tale of two cities and to have real economic security for families, no matter where you live, whether it's in, you know, Ravenswood or Inglewood or Jefferson Park or McKinley Park, wherever you are in the city, you should be able to experience um, the wealth and the opportunities that the city has afforded to some people. And, you know, the plan really is it's about investing in people. You know, you're going to hear a lot of candidates talk about how much they love Chicago. And that's, that's fine. I love people. So I, don't, I don't just simply love things. I love people, right? And... When you think about how people are feeling unsafe, 
Um, the fact that our environment is, is, is suffering in a very dramatic way. Um, this particular administration has reneged on all of its promises. We know the debacle with General Iron on the southeast side. We know the debacle, um, what happened on the southwest side, you know, where the permit was permitted to give it to a major corporation to blow up a stack house, smokehouse in the middle of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and not to mention the fact that we've had, you know, just unprecedented, you know, levels of violence in certain parts of the city. And what we have to do is to make sure that young people know that we love them and that we care and that we invest in them. There's a direct correlation between violence prevention and reduction and youth employment. And so that's why I'm committed to very much expanding and growing a year-round youth hiring program that includes individuals up to the age of 24. The fact that we're experiencing trauma, we we talked about, you know, what what police officers are experiencing, what teachers are experiencing, what residents of the city of Chicago are experiencing. We have police officers that are showing up on scenes that they're not equipped to handle. Right? When we know that 40% is higher of the calls that come through on 911 are, are, are either nonviolent or they're domestic or, or, or social or, or they're, they're, they're um, mental health crises that need interventionists to be on the front line to be able to diffuse um, you know, that situation. And so that's why I'm committed to the ordinance of, around treatment, not trauma, to provide that support. And quite frankly, the other thing that we have to do, especially as we think about long-term um, investment in care for the city of Chicago, we have to reopen our mental health clinics. This mayor promised that she was going to do it, and then another promise that she broke, of course. That's a pattern of behavior of this administration. Well, they broke promises, and she's done it over and over and over again. And so between youth employment and expanding that year-round, investing um, in frontline workers to alleviate the pressure that many law enforcement um, has had to endure because of just lack of support, and then make sure that we have mental health facilities that are able to provide the type of mental health support that families in the city of Chicago deserve and need. You know, that was a, I know that they started finally a pilot program here to address one of the issues that you brought up, which is the fact that so many of the calls that our CPD get are often domestic violence or mental health issues, uh, possibly drug related situations where, you know, the idea, the, the more uh, police that are involved, the the escalation for danger for either the people that are, are making the calls, the people that are being called about and the police officers themselves or people in, in you know, bystanders. Uh, it, it, do you, I'm not sure how much that program where they have a mental health uh, expert or provider going along on the ride or answering those calls. Do you have a plan to expand that kind of program and, and support it and reinforce it? Well, look, we absolutely have to make sure that we have trained individuals to deal with the type of crisis that families are experiencing. You know, I, you may know this, Patty, but my wife and I, 25 years this year in June, celebrating of our marriage, we're, we're raising three children on the west side of Chicago in Austin, and I often think about Quantonio Legrier, who was having a mental health crisis when he came home from Northern um, right around this time um, during the holiday break. And Betty um, Betty Jones, his neighbor, was there to provide um, support, and the only equipment that was on that scene um, were guns. And the fact that that was the only equipment available. And that led to the death of, of, of Antonio Legrier, as well as Betty. Um, it's problematic. And what we have to do is to make sure that whether it's a part of the infrastructure, whether in the vehicles, or they are coming in their own facilities, in their own vehicles, that we have to have a commitment to that. And I do. Um, I fought for that on the county board. 
you know, making sure that we're not investing in the, in the, the, the things that are not working and that we're investing in what safe cities in America invest in. And that's schools, parks, libraries, transportation, jobs, environmental justice. As a Cook County Commissioner, I can tell you that there are suburban parts of our region that do all of those things and they don't have the level of violence that we have. And so if we want a safe, thriving community, we have to do what safe cities in America do. And that's what I'm committed to doing, doing what works. And right now what we have is failure after failure, and it's left us more um, uh, vulnerable. One of the things that uh, I, I hosted a mayoral forum that was similar to the one that you did at the Copernicus Center a couple weeks ago, and uh, it's it's a lot of work to have that many candidates. We had all of them, I believe, including uh, now Mayor Lightfoot. Uh, and one of the questions that came up were lead pipes, and I, there were promises that have been made over and over again. We know that there has to be something done. What do you see as what the barrier is right now to doing that, and what would be your plan in order to make sure that folks have safe pipes in their in their streets, in their homes? all those things. Yeah, so when, when, when me and my wife purchased our home, our home is built in 1903, and if anyone is purchasing homes in the city of Chicago, we know that many of our buildings are, you know, you know they're, they're, they were built ahead of time in which, you know, environmental um, hazards were used, right? And so one of the things that we have to do is, first of all, make it possible for families um, to, to, to sure up their living spaces, reducing and, quite frankly, eliminating lead um, from, you know, just our living spaces. As far as the city as a whole, I think the things that really separate me from all the other candidates, people want some want a leader who cares, who's competent, and who's collaborative. That, that, that's what it's going to take to lead the city. And when we talk about you know, the, the, the pipes and the infrastructure of our city, we need every single level of government to participate in the restoration of the city of Chicago. That's the barrier. Now, we don't have leadership that is willing to work with the city council. Uh, I'm committed to doing that, working with our general assembly, the, 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 the Senate, as well as the House, as well as the governor, and working with our, our, our federal leaders. So I'm grateful that I have the support of people like Delia um, Ramirez, um, the support of people like Jonathan Jackson, right? So at every single level of government, from the federal level to the state level to the local level, we need to be vying for the resources and the opportunities that will be available for us to redo our infrastructure. And by doing that, we're not only just improving our environment, but we're creating economic opportunities. So we can actually do a couple of things that ultimately can actually help reduce violence in the city of Chicago, creating jobs and opportunities um, to collaborate together to make sure that the lead and the pipes that are not only just outdated, but they're deadly and harmful, um, that we're rehabbing and restoring and rebuilding our infrastructure to keep us safe environmentally, to create economic opportunities that all lead to the reduction of violence. And so that is the barrier right now. We don't have leadership that is willing to demonstrate care, collaboration, and competence. All of those things are part of my leadership core, and that's what I'm going to bring to the fifth floor. 
For folks who are just wondering, if sometimes people turn the radio on, they're like, who am I listening to? It's Brandon Johnson, mayoral candidate, joining us for a conversation about why he wants to run for mayor and uh, what he plans to do. You mentioned uh, jobs in, in communities where there is a lot of violence and there aren't a lot of opportunities. Uh, one of the things that struck me last year when the investigation into the Chicago Park District came to light, uh, well, one, I was a lifeguard at North Avenue Beach in 1989 and 1990, and sadly, I was part of the investigation because the head of the Chicago Park District Lifeguard Service, one of them at least, Eric Fisher, was my supervisor back in 1989 and started giving me booze. And uh, I have all the dates. I spent about three hours with the state's attorney's office. And uh, a lot of people don't realize that uh, not only did that lead to people not wanting to send their kids to work for the Park District, but there was a lot of dysfunction with the Chicago Park District board. And there's a lot that needs to be done. Uh, And there's some ideas that I've had as far as like encouraging kids to get involved with different jobs with the park district, but there's a, it seems like there's a very um, uh, dysfunctional, and that's a, the word of the week as we see what's going on in, in D.C., but there seems to be a dysfunctional relationship with City Hall and organizations like the Chicago Park District. Is there, have you had any thoughts or talked to anybody about how to, once again, make our pools available and our parks safe for families and kids next summer? It's a big deal. So, and thank you for raising this. So one of the parks that we utilize on the west side of Chicago is Garfield Park. That's where our children attend summer camp. And, Patty, it's from 9 to 1. Yeah. Like, I don't know any, you know, working no. people, you know, who could, could, could handle, work within those hours. And thank, you know, goodness that my mother-in-law participates and supports. So part of my, you know, youth hiring program for 16 to 24-year-olds is giving and creating the type of opportunities that were available to us. You know, my son, who is 15, my oldest, um, he is preparing to get his uh, certification to be a lifeguard. He's already got a certification to be a referee. And these are opportunities that once upon a time, they did exist. And so, yes, I'm committed to that. And one of the ways in which we can actually make sure that there's support for the parks is that between the park, parks as well as Chicago Public Schools, these are taxing bodies that TIF dollars have been used to develop um, every other space, especially except for the communities in which you need that development. And so declaring a tip to us to make sure that we're funding our park is critical. And especially around swimming, there's all the studies that, that, that have, been just, have been reported about, you know, black and brown children in particular not having opportunities to swim and how that has led to, you know, you know death. And it, it, it doesn't have to be that way. And, you know, my 10-year-old, though so much oldest is becoming a, a lifeguard, my 10-year-old is a swimmer. And uh, it's beautiful to watch. And he's on a team and... He's competing, but we can't compete at the park district. And in many instances, there's not enough um, availability to learn how to swim at the park district. Yep. And so this is why the city colleges or the YMCA's, I'm not trying to promote places outside of the public space, but the fact of the matter is, if there aren't enough opportunities presented at the, at the, at the, the public level, then parents have to seek outside of their own neighborhoods to be able to get the type of experiences that you just described that once upon a time used to exist. And I'm committed to making sure that the taxing body that has been ignored, particularly our parks around TIFs, that we're using those dollars and resources to provide critical programs, to create jobs and opportunities for the people of Chicago. I uh, I appreciate that because I, I do think it's, a, it's an important uh asset to the city for both everyone to feel safe in their parks, to have opportunities for kids. So I, 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 I our, our parks are beautiful. Yes. Many of our parks with this great infrastructure. I mean, you know, probably could use some retrofitting, but you're absolutely right. You know, you go to Humboldt Park, you go to Garfield Park. I mean, these parks that have fields and they're, they're not utilized. I mean, 
I'm sorry to mean to cut you off, but I'm saying there's such an incredible yep. opportunity to hire people to provide programs and recreation and give families an opportunity to have the benefit of being able to learn to swim from a par- at the park district. And we're not creating those opportunities. So I didn't mean to get too, 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 too hyped, but, but I believe in this wholeheartedly. And that's why it's so hard to, for people to live in the city of Chicago, because the basic amenities and the assets that we have in the city of Chicago are not available to the residents of Chicago. And that's why I believe I'm better for Chicago. Uh, I don't know if you have time to, to stay, stay with us for another segment. Do you have time to hang out for a little bit longer? You do? I do. Excellent. Uh, I appreciate it. We are talking to mayoral candidate Brandon Johnson. And by the way, uh, sir, we're getting a couple of Commissioner Brandon Johnson, by the way. We are getting a couple of texts from folks. Uh, One text is uh, thanking us for having you on uh, today. Thanks for having uh, giving Brandon a platform. We hope you'll have him on again, which I would love if you're available. And he seems to be the only progressive who's entered the mayoral race. That's Jim from Pilsen. Wanted you to know his feelings on that. So hold on one second. We're going to do. I know I love when people sign their name. I'm like, who is this? I haven't seen that number on the text screen before. We'll continue our conversation just a moment with uh, with Commissioner Brandon Johnson, candidate for the for mayor of the city of Chicago. When we come back on WCPT 820, I want to thank Manaqua Brewing and our friends from Kids Above All and European and U.S. Car Service. More after this on the Heartland Signal. Tonight on Democracy Now! The United Nations Security Council is preparing to hold an emergency meeting just days after Israel's new far-right national security minister, Itamar Ben-Gavir, visited the Al-Aqsa Mosque in occupied East Jerusalem, sparking outrage across the Middle East. We'll look at what Benjamin Netanyahu's new far-right government means for the future of Palestine. All those stories and more tonight at 11 on WCPT 820. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. And we are joined by Cook County Commissioner Brandon Johnson. He's a mayoral candidate for the city of Chicago. And I know one of the big issues that came up at the Copernicus Center, and uh, we've got friends of the show that listen often and uh, want to know a couple things in regards to public tra- public transportation first. Let's start there, because I know that question came up as as. Uh, <laughs> Asking all of the candidates, when was the last time you rode the CTA? So I'll ask you again today, uh, <laughs> Commissioner, when was the last time you rode CTA? So it's been a little while longer. Okay. Uh, now we're probably looking at about three and a half weeks. So in my defense, in my defense, all of our public transportation lovers, and I am one of them, uh, moving around in the city of Chicago running for mayor um, really requires uh, uh, me to get from to and fro a little bit faster. So um, I don't ride as much as I used to. But typically I'm usually on it once, sometimes twice a week. You have to be more nimble. I know that you don't know where you're going to be sometimes from one moment to the next. So I appreciate that. Yeah, it's just a little tougher, but I'm working through that, though. Uh, no, I, I completely uh, appreciate that. But I'm sure when you rode, uh, you you, conf- you confronted some of the issues that people have been talking about. Uh, you know, one of the things that we wanted at Jefferson Park Terminal were public public bathrooms uh, just in, for a variety of reasons. And one of them is for the dignity of folks who are unhoused in our community. Uh, we need some place uh, if we don't have the services available. But the things like that, you know, we have uh, of folks who need to be warm, are trying to stay safe, and are often riding CTA from one end to the other end. And I know that there are several people who are calling for some sort of collaboration between the city, CTA, and services that help some folks who need who need those services. What are your thoughts on that? 
it has to happen. Yes. You know, look, I, I was just meeting with some um, uh, bus operators just on yesterday talking about uh, the different challenges that they experience as workers. And in many instances, they're confronted um, with, you know, with people who are suffering from trauma and their workspaces become unsafe. I think I've mentioned this before. So my eldest is 15. He relies upon public transportation a little bit more these days because we don't have a neighborhood school that is fully funded and supported. So he plays the violin and, you know, digital editing and, you know, he has asthma. So we wanted to make sure that he had attended the school with a nurse. And so this is, and I'm not the only, you know, we're not the only family experiencing this. So we rely upon public transportation, whether it's for work and getting downtown uh, for board meetings and other meetings or for my children getting to their, you know, various locations and what, people are experiencing is that it's not just the workers who are feeling unsafe, but it's also, um, you know, the, the people who rely upon public transportation. And unfortunately, because we have not invested in mental health care services the way we should, the fact that we have not uh, invested enough in uh, public housing and affordable housing, um, you know, bring Chicago home is very much part of my platform and making sure that we have a, a, a revenue stream to deal with those, uh, to help support those families who are unhoused. The long short of it is, when people are experiencing trauma and they're unhoused, there are a lot of other services that they require. And so as government, we have to make sure that we're making the linkages so that people can experience and benefit from public accommodations. So one of the things we do at the county level, Patty, we work with CTA and Metro, especially during that, that, that gap where it's hard to get on transportation and get you know from the south suburbs into the south side or into downtown, that we create a pilot program where those individuals who rely upon those particular lines, that we are reducing fares. We couldn't get CTA in the city of Chicago to collaborate with us. So it's not just collaborating within intergovernmental um, dynamics to buy the full wraparound services that families and residents of Chicago need. We have to rely upon other levels of government and lean on other level of, levels of government to alleviate some of that financial burden. These are opportunities that we have to create jobs, to streamline our services, to make sure that we're, you know, running with far more efficiency and that we're also freeing up resources to provide the type of support that bus operators need on the buses and the families who rely upon public transportation, that they feel supported in faith and families, you know, who are individuals with, individuals with disabilities, that those services are available for them. And then quite frankly, again, uh, for, you know, families who are unhoused and in many instances, you know, struggling to just survive, that we are available to provide that type of support to give people the, 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 the type of interventions that we know that can actually help restore them. So I'm, I'm for all of that, but you actually have to be committed to working with all of the different entities that exist within the city of Chicago and that the mayor has purview over. But we also have to stretch ourselves a little bit and rely upon, again, Cook County government, the federal government, the, the state as well, because the city of Chicago, let me just say this really quickly, this is Chicago. And this is one of the most dynamic cities in the entire world. But how do we classify ourselves as a world-class city? And there are people who, are, who, who, who can't afford to live here. No one should be too poor to live in a city as dynamic as the city of Chicago. And as mayor, I believe that the plans that I'm putting forth and the collaboration that I'm doing all over the city is going to help revive the city of Chicago. 
It does. It does require, you know, when we talked about being nimble, when you have to go from space to space, it does require that nimbleness of ingenuity to solve some of these problems. You know, when I was running for the 19th District House seat, one of the things I talked to a lot of folks about in our community is we have a lot of empty storefronts. And I think that, you know, we look, we know that folks uh, appreciate the uh, ease of use of or ordering something on their phone. So it's going to be hard to get a lot of folks, especially after the pandemic, still getting businesses up and running. I think that we need to be creative about how we use some of these spaces, whether it's for, uh, you know, affordable housing or veterans or people who have disabilities in some of these spaces. Uh, we have we have shelter for people. We should, as you said, we should not have people who can't afford to live here or don't have someplace warm to sleep at night. Right. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And it, and we actually can solve many of these political problems that we are facing. And, you know, when I you know, introduce um, legislation um, to strengthen our budget. Um, and this, these were, there were two pieces of legislation that I put forth, the Justice for Black Lives, the Budget for Black Lives. And out of those pieces of legislation, we have created more equity in the county of Cook than we have ever experienced. Right? $10 million um, that can alleviate up to $1 billion of medical debt. We have the largest pilot program uh, for universal um, income, um, and our recipients just received their first check, I believe, early December. It was $42 million, mostly women, mostly women of color, the largest amount of money ever invested in violence prevention. That was $75 million. That number is going to continue to grow. And many of those intervention um, programs, like New Moms, that's providing support and housing for, for young mothers, um, Bill, that's providing um, support for young people, um, you know, organizations that are providing mental health services. And these are the type of investments that I've done in my role as an elected official, as a county commissioner, working with 16 other commissioners. What is it, 10 separately elected county officials that are elected countywide, a board president, one budget, $9 billion. I'm confident that the type of collaborative work that I've done on the county level as an organizer, as a teacher, um, the lived experience as a husband, as a father on the west side of Chicago, but that's the experience that people are going through, whether you live in Jefferson Park or McKinley Park, right? Or, you know, Raytons, Water, Inga, whatever else in between, no matter where you are, that you are living the struggle of the city of Chicago and someone that can relate to those experiences and someone who has the track record and, and the desire to see real transformation, that's someone that I believe that the city of Chicago deserves. And I'm humbled to, 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 to experience that people believe in me. That Brandon is, is better for Chicago, and I believe that I am better for Chicago. And, and I'm looking forward to the conversations ahead and making sure that we are nimble, flexible, but that we're collaborative, that we demonstrate care, and we demonstrate competence. That's what people want. This is a guy who knows how to do radio, by the way. That was an excellent dismount, sir. <laughs> I, excellent. Uh, I've got a lot of uh, texters who are, by the way, I think now your family is texting in that you're the best guest I ever had. Uh, come on. Let's, uh, Brendan is the best guest you, come on, folks. I'm just teasing. That, that was a genuine uh, uh, text from somebody. Uh, carry on. I know you've got a lot to do. We would love to have you on again. Uh, you let us know if you want to come on, but we'll reach out as well. If you're ever in the neighborhood, I know that you'll be, you know, shaking hands and kissing babies on the Northwest side as well. Yeah. We wish you the best. Be safe. Please pace yourself. Uh, I know that you're, you know, this is a, a challenging time, but, uh, you know, t do some, I'm sure that you do this, but uh, take care of yourself. Do some, you know, meditation, whatever it takes at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day, because you've got a long uh, road ahead of you. 
Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Self-care is important. And uh, just, you know, not that I'm bragging, but I am still riding my bike at least seven to eight miles a day. So That was going to be my next question, but I didn't want to. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, it's just, it's just a shameless plug for Cook County. When you do ride your bikes, uh, people of Chicago, uh, don't forget to utilize the forest reserve, right? So we want to build strong parks, but also strong forest reserves because they are a very good place. Uh, for healthy interactions and healing. So thank you so much, and I promise I'll do that. Excellent. We appreciate it. Go get them. Have a great evening, sir. We'll talk to you again soon. Where, oh, wait, one more question. Where should people go to learn more about your yeah. campaign, and if they want to get involved? That's yes. Great. Yeah. com website there. You can go there, sign up to volunteer, you can see the platform, and we would certainly love to have you all speak back. We're going to build a platform that speaks to the needs of the people, and the people are the experts. So, again, brandonforchicago.com. You can go uh, to Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're there as well. Outstanding. All right. Take care, sir. Be well. Me too. Thank Bye. you. We're going to take calls and uh, texts when we come back. I know that we've got Congressman Quigley coming up at 6. If you have questions for him, we'd love to hear from you. And I know I thank you to everybody that hung on there. I just I knew I wasn't going to be able to, to have him on too long for more questions. Next time, I'll ask if we can take calls. More in a moment on Driving It Home with me, Patty Vasquez. WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk, where facts matter. Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820. All right, let's get to the phones. I apologize. Uh, oh, poor Brian. Brian hung up because he had a question for Brandon. I apologize. I won't let me get to, uh, let's see, Jasmine. I know you sent me a video today, but I, I didn't get a chance to open it. Hey, Jasmine, how are you doing today? I'm uh, I'm good, uh, Patty. How, how have you been? I've been all right, thanks. <laughs> I I should have checked. I uh, I didn't realize you'd have a mayor candidate on. I'm sorry. No, how'd you like that conversation? You vote in Chicago. Oh, it was it was great. And based on the words that I heard so far, um, first of all, I'm a sailor, right? So when summer comes, I practically live in our park areas. And, and I take public transit. So based on everything I just heard, uh, Brandon Johnson has my vote, 1,000%. Well, hold on. There's another eight or nine candidates. So uh, stay tuned right. for those right. interviews, too. I'm, I'm actually reaching out. We're, Lady B is uh, scheduling all the candidates. She's got, uh, hopefully, we'll have Chewy Garcia. We'll have uh, Sophia King, hopefully. And we'll also have a mayoral forum on January 26th with me, Santita Jackson, and, uh, and Joan Esposito. So that'll be, you'll have a chance to hear from all of them, too. Great. Um, I'm excited. And uh, I, I wanted to uh, talk about the, the video I sent you was the uh, seventh round, apparently, <laughs> of Kevin McCarthy losing votes. I can't get enough of him. I mean, like, I, I am starting to grow weary of him losing. I, I don't know how he feels about it. I mean, if he's up for it, we'll let him take the, the, the beating, I guess. But uh, and now Donald Trump think, is starting to lose. <laughs> what was that? I was going to say, I don't even think uh, Trump lost this hard. Well, but he's been nominated. Matt Gates threw his name into the hat for a speaker. So now Trump gets to lose over and over again every time someone puts his votes for him as other. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's too funny. I'm sorry. It's, it's ridiculous. It's it's hilarious. They're 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 acting like children now. Yes, Is it, I I think I you know I've been following it through uh, Stephanie's show, and I'd like to repeat something that she asked. Um, are we bad liberal liberals for enjoying this too much? 
Well, I mean, look, I, I we knew that it was going to be dysfunctional. Uh, I didn't realize, and I here's what I'm feeling is that you see Lauren Boebert now making the rounds on all the talk shows, and, and I think it, you know she's getting a lot of eyeballs. On she went on Fox, and Sean Hannity actually kind of grilled her, and and basically you know he said accused her of not answering his questions, said that she was talking like a liberal, and then she went and did MSNBC with Stephanie Rule, who I mean I'm not sure how I feel about the fact that they gave her a platform. Platform. Uh, but here's the thing. I watched it, right? So she's building her brand as sort of this tough little chick who's just going to, you know, stick her chin out and, and she doesn't kiss you thumb her nose at, at all the, you know, all the big boys and just do whatever. She, and she's even she's claiming responsibility for a lot of this. She said that, you know, that Kevin McCarthy had his chance at her vote and that she would have considered it. But now she'll never go back and that she's the one that has convinced more people to vote against Kevin McCarthy. So it, I, I'm starting to feel like it's just Lauren Boebert building her brand. Mm-hmm. And you know, as fun as funny as this is, uh, it is also pretty dangerous that yes. we. I didn't know this until you know, with, uh, listening to Stephanie's show. But we we don't have a Congress right now because I guess they have to swear in a speaker or uh, elect a speaker before anyone can get sworn in. So it just does this count as like a government shutdown almost? I've been thinking about that, too. And we'll talk to Congressman Quigley about that later. It's not necessarily, no, it's not a government shutdown, because when that happens, I mean, literally, my mother worked for the Railroad Retirement Board when they had a shutdown back in 1999, and she was an essential worker, but everybody else that worked in her her department was not allowed to come in. So it is different from that, right? A government shutdown really is uh, essential workers only. They aren't going to cut any checks for folks for a while. All that stuff comes to a halt. Uh, so it's, it's different than that. But it's... There is a there is a danger, and I want to find out more from Congressman Quigley in just a little bit about you know they're not getting intelligence reports. We don't know necessarily that you know they're not getting briefed on what's going on globally or locally, and right. there's and there's a lot that's being held. I mean, look, I get really fed up when I'm in Springfield and everybody gets up and like has to do a speech about someone who's retiring. I, I, it's on our dime, and so this is on our dime. They're not doing the work of the people. They you know the Republicans ran to be public servants, and and they're I guess. There are conservatives who say, what? I thought Democrats like democracy. This is no, this is not. This is not democracy. This is this. this if anything, this is kindergarten. It, well, and look, time and time again, for a hundred years, Speaker of the House was elected on the first on the first run, I believe, because they've decided. They've I think won- I heard this hasn't happened in a hundred years. It has not happened in a hundred years. Uh, and actually now this will be. Now with the 10th, 11th, I don't know which one they're on, this is actually surpasses. This goes all the way back to pre-Civil War times because in 1923, it took nine votes. So we've broken that record, and now we're back in— they're on, yep. Today was seven, I think. No, we're at, uh, we're at at least 10. I know I was watching the 10th. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, has, uh, has your friend Scott switched parties yet? I would uh, not want to be associated with that. So you can tune in on Mondays, and Scott will join us at 6 o'clock on, on Mondays uh, going forward, as long as his schedule allows. But uh, no, Scott's not a Republican. But but, but, but I, you need to, he, needs to, he needs to cut the lifeboat and abandon ship right now. <laughs> oh, no, he certainly, I don't think he, he has felt like a man without a party for a while. He does, he can't, he just doesn't want to be a Democrat. I mean, I think that's what a lot of hardcore Republicans who, with, and, and I got into an argument with somebody yesterday. 
yesterday about Reagan Republicans. I mean, Reagan was really uh, did a lot of damage to this country that we're we still grapple with, and and that includes the people who you know bought the whole hook, line, and sinker of what it meant to be a conservative, and they ignored the warning signs every step of the way, every single dog whistle that was blown when it came to education. He decimated public education in this country. He decimated the working class by lowering the corporate rates and, the, and taxes for the wealthiest. I mean, I could go on and on of the amount of money that we spent on defense, uh, everything. It's uh, it's unconscionable. The damage that we did to the LGBTQ plus population with the HIV pan- epidemic. I mean, it, it's so much damage. And so the fact that he even considers himself a Reagan Republican is kind of shocking. Ugh. I know. It's- yeah, it's uh, it's it's hard to watch, yeah. but I'm uh, you know thank you for letting me uh, talk about it. And I wanted to uh, announce something else real sure. quick, if I may. The, uh, <clears throat> the 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 boat show is next week, and I will of course be going. Oh. So uh, anyone you know anyone there, if you see a blind girl with a cane, don't you know uh, feel free to say feel free to say hi. And if you have questions about boats, I can probably answer them for you. I, wish, I also wanted to invite you, Patty, if I was you wanted say, to join me. Yeah, I w- you know what's funny? I wish that we could like broadcast from there. It's a little late now, but I uh, where is the, is the boat show in Rosemont? Where's the boat show this year? Thomas uh, McCormick Place, eleventh uh, through the fifteenth. Excellent. Well, thank you for telling us about that. The eleventh through the fifteenth. Message me when you're going to go. I don't know if I'll be able to, but uh, I'm so glad that you told us the boat show is going on at McCormick Place, the eleventh through the fifteenth. All right. Uh, thanks again for letting me talk today. Of course. Miss you, Jasmine. I'll talk to you soon. Have a good day. You too. Take care. Let's go to, uh, I know Dave. Dave was our first caller today, Dave. Sorry, I, I put Jasmine ahead of you. I, I apologize. Hi, Dave. Oh, hey, it's understandable. We ain't heard from her in a while. Uh, they're in the 11th round right now. I thought so. I thought we were in 11. Yep. And we're going to, and uh, Congressman Quigley should be, hopefully we'll be able to talk to him at six. Where are they? In, are they counting the votes? Where are they on right that? Now they're counting. Yeah, it's early, early on right now. It's like, you know, they just, the first 50 well, votes. Tell them to hurry up and get to the, the queue <laughs> so we can have Congressman <laughs> Quigley on. Yep. Just wondering, do you think the Republicans are tired of all that winning yet? <laughs> <laughs> so much winning. Oh, they are dripping and losing is what they are. It's crazy. They got Trump's name up on this one, too, now. Yep. But oh, got oh. no votes yet. He's not other? He's not other anymore? Who nominated? No, it was no a- you got Jeffries, McCarthy, Trump, others, and President. Oh, my God. Trump. Trump hasn't gotten nothing yet. So far. I think I think my favorite today. I listened to a lot of it, and there was I can't remember which speaker it was, but they said we had the opportunity of electing the first black speaker in the history. And then people on the other side of the aisle started yelling, "Yes!" and they started clapping, and, and he was confused because Hakeem <laughs> Jeffries is black. He has the most votes. <laughs> oh, um, before I get to the things with McCarthy, a couple of did you see where? Michigan Senator Debbie Stabenow said that she's not going to seek re-election. I'm sorry, who isn't? Michigan Senator oh, yes. Debbie Stabenow. Yes. She said that this is her last tour and that uh, should be done in 2025, I believe. And some are speculating that uh, that uh, Pete Buttigieg might run for her her uh, position because you know her, him and his husband are living in Michigan, right, closer to 
Is it Chav? His husband's name? That I can't remember his husband's name, but uh, but I I did hear speculation today that maybe that was why he moved. That's a thing. Like once you get into politics and you start seeing stories like that, you start going, hmm, I know how this is working. Believe me, I've thought about it. People have told me that you know maybe if you move to another area that is is kind of purple, maybe you can build a. And I'm like you know it's not. I'm not run. I don't want to run for the sake of running. But Pete, you know, I think Pete has aspirations for running for president again. So running for Congress makes sense. So running for Senate makes sense, doesn't it? Sure. Yeah. Sure. And I'll build it. But uh, I mentioned on Jones show when I'm talking about Pete that uh, yesterday they had a story where the, the right was losing their collective minds when the latest story was about when Pete Buttigieg took Chaz, I'll take it as his name, husband to a, a military plane or, you know, to uh, Netherlands for the Invictus Games. And, you know, saying, well, he should have paid for this and all of that kind of crap and that, but. And, you know, and they still start trying to blame him for Southwest. You know, he had nothing to do with Southwest. You know, that, I mean, trying to push him and force him. But it was the CEO and not being so cheap, you know, that they didn't boost up the IR, you know, or you know, yeah. IT, IT department and that. And, and seemingly, if you recall, the right was okay when um, Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin and his wife, Louise Linton, used it. Air Force C-37 that cost him 25000 per hour back then to fly to Europe or at a time they used it to go see the solar eclipse <laughs> or, you know, Scott Pruitt. He flew on charter and three government flights, you know, totally more than fifty-eight grand. plus he had to get a private phone booth in his office that time. And and um, Ryan Zinke, you know, he had about... a Thirteen thousand dollars, and not to mention that hundred thirty thousand dollars office doors he had put in his office, you know, at that time on our dime. So I don't know who they are. Like they say, point the finger. There's three pointing back at you. But uh, um, and then I seen where Adam Kinzinger's gotten the job already at CNN. Yeah, I saw that. It's yeah. <laughs> whatever. Did you see Bobert's yeah. joke? She said now less people can watch him than have in the last two, <laughs> the last six years. I was like, ow, damn. No. <laughs> and um, so others can get on. This will be for uh, for Brother Roosevelt and Brian. That You think that uh, today's song for McCarthy would be the Eagles' Desperado? Well, here, I'll, let me ask Brian in just a moment. <laughs> Okay. There you go. Or the Linda Ronstadt version, which was hauntingly beautiful, how she sang at that time. And then, and lastly, you got that uh, he, old um, McCarthy probably feeling like the little Anthony and the Imperials version I heard so bad. <laughs> yeah. Nice. All right. Anyway, let me get out so you get right. these guys. Thanks, too. Dave. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Let me get to uh, Brian and Juliet. Hey, Brian, what's on your mind? Well, Patty, uh, just this. Uh, if WCPT took requests, this one that would go out to the Republicans from 1983, the group talking heads burden down the House. <laughs> there you go. I, I'm not allowed to play. As far as I know, I don't have a library of, of music that I'm allowed to play outside of uh, stuff that's outside of the, the royalties, all that stuff. But burden down the House. Mm, I can hear it in my head. I can't sing it. I won't sing it. You sing it, Brian. <laughs> well, give it a listen. I think I think you'll find it. Uh, and the last gentleman, thank you. Yeah, did he say Desperado yes. for uh, McCarthy? Yes. 
Yeah, he's right on. There you go. Thanks, Brian. Thank you, Patty. Take care. Take care. You too. Where's Mary in Elk Grove Village? What's on your mind, Mary? Hey, Patty. I know everyone is thinking like, oh, they're wasting our time. They should be doing work. Who, who are you talking about? We are, ta- we are talking Fair. about I know. Republicans, okay? Yep. They are not going to do our work. Any kind of work that they do is going to be anti-everything, yeah. anti-gay, anti-women's health, anti, um, anti-education, anti-vaxxing. Um, they're going to start banning books nationally. They're going to start, they're going to start all kinds of nonsense. They're going to expand on gun rights. They're, they're going to be up to no good. Look who is running the show right now. Lauren Boebert. Isn't that crazy? Okay? Yeah. It's insane. And, and Matt Gates, are you kidding me? <laughs> Why do we want them to get to work? Everyone yeah. just sit back, enjoy the popcorn. All right, and you're let right. Me tell you, Ooh, I made Democrats mm-hmm. don't concede. Don't no. concede. No, no, do no. not concede. Don't compromise. I'm going to tell you why. Two, uh, two people, Lindsey and McConnell, uh, uh, Amy Coney Island, Barrett, and mm-hmm. and and, and uh, Garland. Um, what was his name? Uh, Merrick Garland. Okay, remember what happened? Yep. That's what they're going to do. Uh, you you could have them sign a hundred papers, a hundred agreements. They will never stick to it. Remember who we're dealing with. These are not. This is not our old Republicans. This is not the the old Republicans who you can negotiate with. The these no. Uh. Uh-uh. Just but get here's the thing. Those, because those because the the thing is the, they were effective. I think you got a point there. They did feed the fire and this. Uh, you know they they fed this younger generation of Republicans and, and built up their their egos uh, to think that they could behave like this and hold things up. But to your point, I think you're right. The longer they take on this, the, because they want to defund you know Merrick Garland, they want to fire all these different, which I don't think they can do without the Senate. Uh, but they they. Do you want to launch investigations? Uh, oh, they, all yeah, the investigations. Yeah, yeah. They have no, they have no, they have, and they're they're even you know urging each other, saying you know if we don't if we don't get a speaker, we're not going to be able to investigate uh, Biden Hunter Biden's laptop. We're not going to be able to go after you know all these different things. You know, investigate. Na- yeah, they want to impeach. Fauci. They're going to go after Fauci. Yeah, yeah. The, the impe- and the impeachment will begin day one that the House Speaker is decided. So just grab your popcorn. Sit back and let them burn. Let them crash and burn. And and I, I, you know, I kind of hope. I I don't know if I should say this. I almost kind of hope McCarthy gets it because he won't be able to wrangle them in. He won't be able to rule effectively. And instead of bashing Nancy, instead of making fun of her husband getting attacked, maybe he should have spent the past few years studying her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Most effective speaker of the house. Right. Maybe he should have sp- spent a little more time studying Nancy Pelosi. Yep. He can't. Well, he definitely can't fit in her shoes. Oh, Plus, no, he would couldn't. walk funny because she, she, man, she can really wear those heels. I got to wear those heels anymore. <laughs> I got to. They're amazing. Right, uh, thank take you care. so much for calling. Take care. Let's take a break here, and uh, we're going to see if we can connect with Congressman Mike Quigley, who is right now still in the chambers of the House. Uh, they're awaiting the eleventh vote, the final count. Um, but my guess is they're not going to cross the finish line. Let's take a break here. When we come back, continue our conversation on WCPT eight twenty. This is WCPT 820, where facts matter. 
They are in the middle of the 12th count for Speaker of the House. And joining us is Congressman Mike Quigley. Want to get to him because I know that your name is coming up soon, sir. Just tell me, how how are you doing? What are your thoughts on this? I I really want to know what this has been like day after day. You know, it's uh, well, first, it's live news at its best um, from the House floor. And uh, when we get to Pocan and Presley, I'll have to uh, run out there and uh, vote for uh, our leader. Uh, and then, you know, around 13, 14, 15, soon to come. Uh, look, this is very serious stuff. And here's what I want to stress. Even, even if they reached a compromise tonight, and we got a speaker, and this hasn't happened since to this level before the Civil War, is Faust on the payroll. What deals did the leader have to make to the farthest right? And it's somehow appropriate that it's on the anniversary tomorrow of January 6th because we've seen the assault on our democracy from extremism, the, that norms don't matter. Uh, so I, I think this is a common thread. I think it's important. I think it's scary. Uh, and I, you know, I talk to the more centrist Republicans, and uh, they're worried about the same thing. Well, that's a question from one of our listeners. Uh, one of our listeners, Roy, asks if uh, is there any consideration to encourage fellow Democrats to select a moderate to progressive Republican to back for speaker? I know a lot of Democrats don't want you guys to do that. Is there any rumblings of that? Because you would only need 20 Republicans to back a moderate candidate. I get I don't know what the numbers are necessarily. But yeah, I know they, 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 we're not there yet. And, and I don't know that we ever will be. And, and, you know, what, some time ago it would be just far-fetched. And and I'm not suggesting that it's a good idea or a bad idea. I'm just saying we're not there yet. Right now we're hanging in there. And I think think the purpose of the Democrats here is to reflect, um, was the Latin raise ipsa loquitur? It speaks for itself. We are, I think, viewed right now to the world as the thoughtful, more compassionate, uh, rational party in this country. And our colleagues across the aisle have let the tip of the dog's tail, which is what I would call their farthest right, wag the body politic. And uh, that's two years of this. Because uh, uh, we had the same margins in the last session that they have now. Yet we got a lot done. Historic legislation. Uh, we we approved a speaker in record time on the first ballot. We structured the government. We were moving forward. This is what happens when you you let the farthest right, when you let the extremists have disproportionate influence. And uh, the next speaker will have the sword of Damocles over them if he doesn't follow their every need. So it, it gets to your point is, is divided government, which means there has to be some compromise. When does that begin, and how does it operate in the next two years? Because we have to reauthorize programs. We have to fund the government. I don't know that we'll pass much meaningful legislation under this tenure, but we should at least try. What can you do? I mean, what what can the Democrats do once you do get to work when you're bombarded with every day? They 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 seem to just want to investigate Hunter Biden's laptop and impeach President Biden and go after Fauci. I mean, that's essentially what they want to get done anyway. Right. 
I think I think one of the things you do is have uh, really good people there who uh, who are on those committees, like judiciary, like oversight, like intelligence, but respond and to uh, again be that rational face of government, and you know let people see the extremes. And in the end, uh, their investigations only go so far because they don't control the Senate or the White House. But you have to be there because the truth matters. When I was on Intel investigations dealing with the first impeachment, I never felt the Senate was the jury. I thought it was the American people. And that's who we were trying to talk to. So my best answer is be prepared, do the solid job we have, and uh, try to move forward responsibly. And I, and I saw your video today in regards that we are on the eve of uh, the anniversary of January 6th, uh, when, you know, really, this is, feels a little bit like a, a, an extended part of that attack on the Capitol, is the, the, uh, the ultimate goal of many of these Republicans is to grind our government to a halt, isn't it? It is. Um, and uh, it's not about governing anymore. No. It's about pontification of an extreme position. And these are... I've served with people who, a certain minority, uh, that if they don't get their, I guess when they were kids, they got notes from school. If if they didn't get their way, uh, they don't work and play well with others. Uh, They don't get their way, they take their ball and go home. Uh, It's sad, but that's where we are. I also think, to your point in that video that you made about holding people accountable, not only is that part of healing, because you know we've had conversations, I believe in holding people accountable, not just for justice, but also to prevent it from happening again. And I feel like because a lot of these folks were not held accountable, this is where we are today. That's absolutely true. um, Some of my staff came over to watch this because it's, Sad but historic. They were up in the balcony. So uh, I walked them up there and sat down. It's been two years since I sat where I sat on January 6th. So uh, memories of uh, that devastation, those who gave their last full measure of devotion uh, to protect the Capitol, me to a lesser extent, our democracy to a greater extent. a few involved, held accountable, but certainly not the majority and certainly not the ringleader. On January 6, two years ago, I walked around the Capitol, had my bike, rode around. I could tell what they were going to do. You could hear them. And I walked inside my office and I heard the president speak. And I said, he just sick 20,000 people on us. Uh, I thought he had committed a crime that day. I mean, at that moment, I thought he had. Now, the committee's done an amazing job, and I do think I, I do think that the truth helps getting out, but your point's accurate. I mean, I think these, these folks feel emboldened. They got away with it, even those who, who unofficially sought pardons in the days after from President Trump. Yeah, this is it is absolute madness. I know Michael Fanone, who was one of the police officers who's not only testified but was also attacked, has you know had a, a press conference today. Has people out there encouraging Republicans to sign a pledge against political violence? Well, how, if they can't even elect the speaker, they're not because part of signing that or pledging to that would be assuming culpability for what happened two years ago, right? They're not going to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. No, they can't. No. But. Look, uh, look. there's a lot of people of good heart and good faith 
who are trying to do the right thing there. Our job is to work with them and support them. We're, we're in the middle of the peas. So I'm going to yes. have to run. I was going to say, go, uh, sir. Congressman Mike Quigley from the 5th District, we are so grateful for your service and grateful for your time today. Go get it. Go vote for Hakeem Jeffries. Got it. Thank you. Love it. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. It's exciting. Thank you, sir. Uh, it's a shame, though, too, that we are at this place uh, in, in our country where uh, we have a small group of people who are wielding so much power on uh, on our government. This is this is insanity. Let's take a break here. I'll take your calls when we come back. 773-763-9278. I want to remind folks that we're not going to turn the platform over to folks who just want to be hateful or this is not a debate show. This is a, a conversation. Uh, if you want to call and attack, I'm sure that they'll have fun with you over at uh, WIND. More after this on WCPT 820. We're driving it home till 7. You're listening to WCPT 820 because facts matter. Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Minocqua Brewing Company, and I sell progressive beer like AOC IPA and Bernie Brew, a lovingly irascible Democratic Socialist lager. A percentage of the proceeds of every beer I sell goes to helping keep Wisconsin blue and driving the Trump cult out of our state. Enjoy a great craft beer and help your dysfunctional neighbor to the north get its democracy back. Now available at Arminetti Wine and Spirits in Woodstock, Illinois, and Famous Liquors in Lombard, as well as in Chicago at A&S Wine and Spirits, Back of the Yards, and Grand and Western Liquors, Ukrainian Village. Please drink responsibly. And by the way, our uh, our beer Sherpa, Jerry Walski, updates the list of locations that carry Monaco Brewing on the Patty Vasquez show page. It's pinned there right to the top. So, uh, oh, man, I, I can't. You guys, I, I seriously, the hard, the the choice seltzer. It's I just I really like that one. I have to bring you some more, Lady B. I've got uh, I've, I've been uh, keeping a few in my fridge. Uh, let me get to Roosevelt. Hey, Roosevelt, how are you doing today? Patty, Patty, thank you for taking my call, my dear. Absolutely. What's up? Okay, so Dave and who uh, who else? Somebody was making some requ- uh, not oh, requests. Brian, but- music, music. Brian. Yes. I'm sorry, I forgot. I'm sorry, I forgot my buddy's name, Brian. <laughs> okay, here's two obscure ones, and these are dedicated not only to McCarthy, but to all the people that are there, and that is. Deja Vu by Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. <laughs> I love it. The chorus, yep. the chorus, I don't know if you know it or not, is we have all been here before. We have all been here before. Yikes. So. All right. I don't know if I have, I don't know if I have, if I have the, the license to uh, let you sing any more of that. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I, I'm not a good I'm, I know I'm, I'm not. Teasing. Go ahead. But, uh, and also, last but not least, is naturally uh, Alice Cooper elected. I want to be elected. That's for oh, interesting. Yeah, there's a video of it. That's one of my favorite bands from the old days. I've seen them plenty of times. Alice Cooper. Another one is Steppenwolf. Um, By the but, way, uh, just yeah. to give you the count on uh, the floor of the House, uh, Trump has one vote. You know, here's the thing is that now they have to be on the record for voting against Trump with his name on there. Like if he was his other. Right. Like now it's on the board that seven people voted for Hearn. Right. 151 for McCarthy. Oh, Donald. So Byron Donald's hasn't been nominated like they took him off, I guess. Oh, what is happening? Really? 
Yeah, really. He was he was getting uh, he was getting quite a number of votes. He was getting twenty. He, he was getting nineteen. Oh, really? Yeah, that Gates. Many, huh? Yeah, oh, Gates. Wow. Gates changed from uh, from Byron Donald to Trump today. He nominated Trump and then or voted for Trump. I don't, he didn't nominate him, so he must have nominated him and remains the only one that's voting for him. And then there are twelve yeah. for others. I don't know who the others are. See, see, here's the thing. This is this is also uh, like I said before, karma coming back to McCarthy the, uh, because he supported the guys that supported or the people that supported Trump. So it's coming back to bite him because uh, somebody on another show earlier today mentioned him. I said, "Wow, that's that that really makes a lot of sense." Meaning that he supported uh, the candidate that went against Cheney, Liz Cheney. So this is all. Yeah. That's a good point. These are all the yeah. These are all, and that's, that's not my point. I'm, I'm I'm just saying I heard it. Somebody else said it earlier, but uh, it's interesting how how it's coming back to to haunt him and to hurt him. And uh, he like Joan says it the best. He's uh you know he doesn't have a spine. He doesn't you know he he he, he just doesn't have cojones, spine, whatever you want to call it. But uh. It's it's horrible what's hop- happening, and, and this is my and I meant to mention this yesterday. Stay the late. Who was the lady? Was the lady that uh, I, I tuned in kind of late? There was a lady that spoke earlier and said, and basically said what I'm saying right now. And that let them settle it on their own. Don't help them. Let them sink on their own. And uh, why should we get involved? And you know what? We are so lucky. We are so lucky that we just had. Pelosi, the greatest in my in my way of thinking, the greatest speaker in the history of speakers, followed up by the second greatest because this Jeffrey guy, Jeffrey's guy, Hakeem, he is right on point, right on point. The way he answered those questions to whoever asked him, you know, is there anything that the Democrats can do? No, I, I, I'm with you. I'm like, yeah, I mean. Uh, maybe we'll come to that point. Uh, I'm trying to remember. There was, I mean, it's extraordinary how many in the, during before the Civil War, and that's the problem. The last time this happened was a Civil War, and I told folks back when Trump first won that I felt like we were in, in an ideological Civil War, and I got you know basically patted on the head. Oh, it's not that bad, and I'm like, no, this there's something significantly wrong happening to our norms. To bring up what uh, Congressman Quigley said, there the norms. All the things that we felt we all kind of agreed were unacceptable behavior that was not tolerated, misogyny, racism, right? People would look over their shoulders before we didn't. We know that there are people who hate women. There are people who want to control women, people who hate people of color. We know that. Right. But we got to the point where they, they had shame. Right. We and we shamed them. Uh, They're emboldened yeah. now. Right. Those norms are gone. And I, I, I don't know where we go from here. And, and, and to your point, Patty, to your point, I pulled up what um, what Fox News was reporting when uh, some of the ladies on the squad gave them gave Pelosi a little bit of a hard time, and they were saying that the uh, Democrats are, are are in disarray, even though Pelosi got yeah. the votes, yeah, and just ripping her, man, ripping yeah. her, even though she, she was she got in, you know, and, and to, to your point again. You just said something about 560 WIND. I've been tuning in for the past two days to see if those two idiots that are there every early in the morning, which they don't let me in. 
you know, on the conversation because I, I wanted to tell them, you guys are such hypocrites because the, the past two days they've been minimizing what's going on with their so-called Republican Party and the Trump supporters and everything. And you know what the, the lead story was today? The lead story was the football player. And the second lead story was our elections for mayor. Third was finally what's going on in Congress and that idiot, Dan Prop. You know, yep. he thinks he's himself as, as being a smart guy. And all he said, you know, he was saying, to put it bluntly, he just said, well, it's not a big deal, folks. Basically, don't worry about it. It's democracy in the works. And oh, and they played that, that one kooky lady that said that the Democrats are eating popcorn and drinking alcohol. I know. I don't know what her name is. Cat. Yeah, her her name is Cat from Florida. Have you heard uh, Stephanie talk about her this morning? She looked like she was wearing two dresses. She's like the female version of Steve Bannon. I haven't seen the video, but I've heard the 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 the, the audio because the goof the goofs on five sixty in the morning, and Abbott and Costello, Ben Proft and Amy Jacobson. Amy Jacobson is such a phony and a fake. I swear to God, she laughs at everything Ben Proft says. She's just there for the you know to, yeah. to give them the. Uh, the support of, of, of him trying to be funny. But anyway, um, so you got a, some goofy callers a little while ago, huh, too? Well, uh, yeah, I, I'm not going to if we're able no, to. No. I'm not I'm just not giving the air the any air. It's not. I no, don't, I know, the mood. I know, but, but I know how it is. And that's another thing. The reason why these callers call is because they want to blame it on somebody else or they want to say that it's uh, the Democrats fault or whatever. And that's why I'm saying Democrats stay out of it. Pelosi said it the best. Let them handle it on their own because you get involved and it's your fault. It's, it's all like being between uh, a, a husband and a wife. Then you wind up being the bad guy. That's the way yeah. I feel about it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thank, thank you for I appreciate it. Event. Absolutely. Have a good one, Roosevelt. You too. Thank Take you. care. Thanks. Let's uh, let me get to Jim. I've got just a couple minutes left here. The number is 773-763-9278 to join our conversation. Also, I want to encourage you to enjoy our live stream on our Facebook page. Go to WCPT's Facebook page. And uh, Jim's on the line. Hey, Jim, what's on your mind? Uh, I'm going to dream of uh, Nathaniel Banks today. If you could tell him my, my dreams, you know, the man that, Took 133, 133 cracks at the plate to finally get the seat. They were a no nothing party then. Oh yeah, definitely were the no nothing party. They should have stuck with that name, as far as I'm concerned. And they were the most <laughs> anti. They were, they were the most. They were the most anti Irish group of people that ever existed in the United States. They hated the Irish. They, they, they could go in a chapter verse about it. And, and Roosevelt, real quick, was talking about that uh, on the morning show. I called up a few months ago. I said, he was talking about the Democrat. I said, you know, you had a, Demo- you had a Republican mayor here, uh, Big Bill Thompson, in 1923. That was the last Democratic mayor he had. And he'd take a hot stove. I mean, he was the most, if you look up the most corrupt individual that ever stepped in the office, it's Big Bill Thompson, you know. But anyway... Uh, it's, it's, I don't know what to say. It's fun, but at the same time, you gotta think about the poor constituents and they're, you know, they gotta get down to business. These people are completely insane anyway, so. We're in for quite a ride. Anyway, Patty, thanks. Absolutely. Take care, Jim. Appreciate it. Yeah, I don't know about it. It's not not a great ride. I, uh, I wish I was too short for this ride. Hey, Richard, what's on your mind? How you doing, Patty? Um, I just want your opinion on, on something I was thinking about. Two things. 
first off, uh, this fiasco that's going on uh, in D.C., and so the Republicans are making a mess of it. But how does that reflect on us Democrats that Americans pick these guys over us? <laughs> You're what not wrong. What did we do wrong? <laughs> so- what did we do wrong that they pick them <laughs> over us? Like, so it's- I felt like kind of like, yeah, yeah. You know- it's kind of bad, but... No, no, here I, I and this seems like a I, I, okay. The problem is you and I are operating from a place of like, well, that just seems crazy, and other people who voted for them are like, this is amazing. So it's not. It. it, it I remember years ago when I, I started doing stand up comedy, I tried talking about Rush Limbaugh because I would try to listen to him, and I, I just didn't get it. I would listen, and like he obviously wildly popular, radio stations across the country, and I just like everything he said was despicable and disgusting, and every day he was getting more listeners and. People like I couldn't even say I was a feminist when I was on stage as a comic because he had made it such a dirty word. Feminazi. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's not it's hard to, uh, I guess, reclaim the intellectual higher ground or to even be on it when other people would rather, you know, elect their crazy uncle who will say whatever he wants and, you know, gives you sloppy kisses at the holidays and has you sit on his lap and tickle you in inappropriate ways. I mean, like, the, the, <laughs> that's who they wanted to elect. And I don't I don't know. I, it's it's not it's less. It's more of a reflection on I th- one education. I know that somebody uh, when Trump won, a lot of my coworkers were crying. We were in a, I remember we were in a little storage room and they're like, it's about it comes on education for me though, it, it, it's not like we can educate people who are electing these people anymore, right? That that cat's out of the bag, right. you know? Right. Um, but I think that critical thinking is important here. Empathy, compassion are the things that, I, that Democrats tend to espouse more. I'm not saying that we're all great at it and that we all follow through on those values, but for whatever reason, they appeal to the lowest common denominator. They just do. But we lost four seats in New York State. Yeah, well, like, that was that on a little bit. That's a mess. Yeah. Funny. Uh, so, yeah. I'm like, well, how did that happen? Like, how do we give these guys? I know every, you know, like every midterm, blah, 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 you know, we're going to lose seats. But really, it's a big contrast between the two parties. Yeah. And to give up four seats, and we probably lost some in California somewhere else. Like, we literally get, gave the crazies the key to the house. Yep. And so I'm like, what did we do wrong? Like, how did we mess yes. this up? Yeah, okay. Talking to the everybody's language. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Look, I I obviously am. uh, After watching 12 rounds of voting, I'm a little bit hysterical, and I'm not even in the room with them. (laughs) But you, you bring up a good point, a couple good points, and you know the other seat that we're, you know, this whole mess. Lauren Boebert, her seat was more vulnerable than Democrats realized, and they lost an opportunity there as well. Yes. and this guy, yeah. Santos, nobody vetted him. Really? I, I, I don't understand that either. And I believe. Exactly. Yeah, I believe that the head of the, the, the Democratic Party in New York was appointed by uh, for, former Governor Cuomo. So you've got a lot of problems there mm-hmm. to begin with. Right. But the, mm-hmm. and look, he lost his seat, didn't he? huh? Didn't, didn't, uh, the, the, didn't he lose his seat also? The oh no that guy is I believe the guy who's running the the, the Democratic Party in New York is still is still there I don't think he's been removed. I thought somebody from I think maybe in charge of the DN, like the Democratic Congressional like whoever whatever's lost their seat in New York. 
Yeah, I, that, I'm not sure. I haven't seen. But you, I mean, to your point, okay. though, New York lost seat after seat uh, to yeah. Republicans. Um, I'm trying to say, and, and look, I know that they're trying to find someone to blame. I think it was mm-hmm. definitely, uh, it seems to be, because we won seats that we didn't expect to win in other places, right? right. Or we, it's right. it's astounding, and it, and I don't know if it was just a hubris. I mean, I have to imagine some of it was just thinking, oh, we're a blue state, and not doing yeah. the, the hard work and rolling up their sleeves. Right, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, that was it. That's all I had to say. I was just like, I had to tell somebody. Yeah, no, I agree with you. What did we do wrong? I think it yeah. was a, a one. We can't. We can't. I don't know how. What we, but it has to be not just appealing to to people who are willing to listen to policy. That's the thing. Is that we? Uh, my, the Tim Hogan told me the analogy is that uh, you know uh, Republicans come to the party with a, bun- a plate of brownies, and uh, and Democrats right. come with the recipe. Now here's what you got to do. You got to make you <laughs> be like, oh my god, I just want exactly. the brownies. <laughs> yeah, just need the brownies. Yeah, maybe like a Don Fetterman kind of. We need to think yeah. like how he did his campaign get more emotional than cerebral and then maybe we'll get everybody yeah exactly something uh but we we definitely have places where we have to figure it out and you're absolutely right thanks richard well thank you so much absolutely have a great night talk to you later let's absolutely let me take a break here and uh, we'll do traffic continue our conversation when we come back 773-763-9278 please uh, give us a call or text us if you would like to join the conversation not to rant crazily that's all I'm just saying. I know that they, I know Lady B sometimes gets an earful. I'm not going to tolerate it. <laughs> Tune into the Tom Hartman radio program, your home for news, opinion, and insight, right here on WCPT 820, where facts matter. Chicago's Progressive Talk, WCPT 820, where facts matter. On January 6, 2021, followers of Trump and something called QAnon attempted a coup at the United States Capitol. Who are these people? I want to live with the QAnon girl. I could be happy the rest of my life with a QAnon girl. Believer of theory, she leans to the right. She never gets weary of being gullible and white. She's my QAnon girl. And like members of any cult, these folks seem willing to follow the directions of their leaders, no matter how irrational or insane or stupid they may be. She likes crazy leaders. She likes worshiping. She learned from a young age to believe anything. She's my QAnon girl. She voted for Trump twice. She bows at his feet. Thought I'd uh, play a little more of Steve Goody's QAnon Girl. By the way, a little programming note about the virtual comedy show that I've been doing since, I believe, August of 2020 during the pandemic. The virtual comedy show has been every Thursday. We are moving to Monday nights, 8 p.m. Central. So we'll be uh, on be on on monday that makes it a little easier because we're all starting to perform live again and it was kind of hard to juggle there were nights where i would i would have three shows going at once after eight o'clock i would produce a show a comedy show and then i would perform a stand-up comedy show and then i would also perform on the virtual comedy show so i was able to uh uh throw my my two cents in and, and uh, beg them to uh, move the night and night it worked out for everybody i uh, just got a text from our uh, collaborator and co-producer on the show uh we've got jerry walski 
Jackie sent me the totals. So Jeffries, uh, Hakeem Jeffries, still in the lead with 212 votes. It is not a plurality, meaning that they have to have a simple majority in, in order to secure the seat. Uh, I, I do love the um, the slim, very slim possibility of Republicans um, not being on the floor, not being present to vote. And so it lowers the number that they need in order to cross the threshold to, uh, you know, so let's say they just don't have enough on the floor by accident, not knowing like who's there, how many do we have? Because some legislators are starting to leave D.C. Uh, I know that one had to leave today and we're heading into the weekend. They don't know if they'll be doing this all weekend. Just so you know, uh, I don't know if it's the most. But the last I looked at a pre-Civil War round of uh, voting for the Speaker of the House, 133 votes. It took them 133 rounds to select a Speaker of the House. So currently, Hakeem Jeffries uh, continues to hold a 212 votes. Every Democrat, of course, voting for him. Uh, Kevin McCarthy has 200. Trump has one. Uh, others has 19. I don't know who the I, I, I thought... Hearn, I saw earlier, here we go. So Hearn has uh, seven, according to this. Oh, so I see. The one that uh, the one that Jerry sent me has got to be from MSNBC because they, they, they put Hearn into others. Hearn has seven. Trump has one. Others have 12. And there's one person that's voted present. Now, the interesting thing here is that now we're, that every day, McCarthy, I believe, is losing a vote. So some, and he's got someone voting present. So I believe, I think yesterday he had 202, maybe 201. Now he has 200. So that's something interesting to note. Uh, but this is uh, absolutely fascinating. Mirna, what's on your mind, my friend? Hi. I Hi. sent you a, a text yesterday with a, a sign that I was going to have printed for Patty Vasquez for House Speaker. <laughs> anybody. Since anybody can run, why not you? Oh, there you go. You yeah. the not interested. Not. I'm very happy where I am behind this microphone, working for the state of Illinois, producing and performing in comedy shows, and writing my book. I got a lot going on, Mirna. <laughs> it's a lot. But you could add that to your resume, too. That would help you to get it. So. Well, Come that's... on, Patty. Do <laughs> favor, please. I am not. I'm sure there's there are people who are like you know p- pitching their sending their resumes to uh, Congress people, especially Republicans. But uh, no, no, no. Not interested well, in that circus. Fine. I just wanted to give you the opportunity if you're interested, but since you're not, that's cool. Sorry. To... Are you watching any of the proceedings? No, I have a life. I I take issue with that statement. I have a life. I just I'm a total dork. Here's the thing. I also watch the proceedings in the in the uh, Springfield Capitol. That you can you can watch a lot of that too. Like on the Blue Room, you can go to ilga.gov, folks, and watch how the, the sausage is made in Springfield. But uh, no, I, I love that stuff. I love watching it. I don't. Uh, I don't envy people like Congressman Quigley or Shakowski or any of our public servants who are just waiting to do their jobs. Yeah. No, I apologize. I didn't mean it that you were a dork. You know, I, no, no, no. I'm totally sometimes. a dork. I, you know me. I embrace that stuff. Absolutely. I do, too. When, it's, when it gets really ugly between them, that's when I really tune in. But, it, I mean, it's part of your job, though. That's why, you know, I, yeah. I don't consider you a dork. I think, I'm a dork. I'm glad no, no. That you're <laughs> I'm a dork. Uh, no, I mean, like, 
Especially like because I, I love seeing in, in real time, like this woman from Florida, she was sitting behind Bobert and she was sitting near uh, Marjorie Green Taylor, Marjorie T- Trader Green, whatever her name is. And I, I didn't know who she was. She hadn't spoken yet. And she has this really uh, very bold dress. Uh, it's blue. It's like half blue and half white. So it does look like she's it's like a wrap dress. So it did look like she was wearing several cl- layers of clothing. Um, but her when she said that the Democrats were enjoying this as evidenced by all the popcorn, blankets and booze. Like I, I get why the Democrats, you know, she went on to Fox and said, oh, you know, I must have struck a nerve because they really reacted. So they must be guilty of it. Like, no, you were lying and we are going to yell at you for lying. I want to do so many yeah. words. Yeah. Earlier, uh, um, Joan had asked a question about why, um, what's his name? Who's the one that's in the, I forget his name, the one who's trying to get the job? McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy? McCarthy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, if he's making offers to people, like really stupid things that he, he would regret later, she asked, Joan asked, why aren't people accepting that? And the thing is, if someone is willing to sell themselves so cheaply for a vote to get in, yeah, what yeah. is it about what you need down the line yes. behind closed doors? Absolutely. And here's the thing. He that what he's given away, like the big thing is that essentially, from what I understand, they had it to where he was agreeing that five people from the majority party could move to have the speaker removed. And I don't know if this is true. I haven't necessarily seen confirmation of it, but the rumblings were that they got down to one, like one person. So they could just basically call for a new speaker every week. Right. And if and it doesn't matter if it's these five, these five, if they're going to stick together, the five Congress people that are willing to hold up our government, um, they can do it anytime they want. They can just do nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And that would include removing him. And I show you how dumb he is. Exactly. It, I mean, like, yeah, why bother? Yeah. It's like he wants it so bad. He's blinded by the ambition to get it that he doesn't realize what he's doing to himself. Right. Or possibly doing to himself. Well, but, and it, you know, like it, it's also telling right. who they are propping up uh, to be the challengers of McCarthy, right? Jim Jordan, who was involved, like didn't do anything to help children who were it, it, vulnerable, right? The, check, the child molestation cases, mm-hmm. right? And then this guy, uh, Byron Donalds, who has has also tussled with the law. I don't know this Hearn. I don't know Hearn yet, but uh, all of this is really crazy. Oh, yeah. And it's it's funny how you would think that the ones who are trying to get that spot would at least be out there promoting themselves, you know, what they've accomplished and things like that. But none of them are doing that. It's all just like, vote for me. Okay. Vote for me. All right. No problem. Vote for me. Okay. Yeah, sure. No problem. Yep. It's like a buddy system thing that they're doing. And no one knows what their backgrounds are really like, except for like what you just, you know, like, like expressed. Yeah. And, you know, exchanged and told us and filled us in on everything about them. It is amazing to me how much they, they yell and scream about uh, grooming kids and sexual predators and how many they have amongst their numbers. Right. It was it was actually university students, I believe, with Jim Jordan at Ohio State that he, you know, did not was trying to encourage this wrestler not to, uh, you know, come forward with these reports. Um, it's 
it, it happens over and over and over again. Someone was saying, you know, what if we got a unity candidate? This is one of my favorite, my favorite responses on uh, any of these talk, these shows, uh, you know, the, the news shows. Uh, well, you know, what if we had a unity candidate? Yeah, well, last time we did that, he turned out to be a child molester. And that was Dennis Hastert. Right. And I was like, I mean, like the thing is, like, they're just all obviously filling airtime during these these votes and things like that. By the way, because I did see clips of Sean Hannity interviewing Lauren Boebert, it was, it was so delicious oh my God. because he wants McCarthy. I don't know. I, I, I'm really I have no way of understanding where Republicans are coming down on this because Tucker wants, you know, the doesn't want McCarthy. He's a never McCarthy right now. And. Hannity and apparently Trump want McCarthy. They think that, oh my God, there's so many, there's so much name calling Mirna. I don't know if you've seen any of this, but this Laura Loomer or Looper or whatever, she called Marjorie T- Trader Green uh, a hoe, I'm sorry, a hog hunting divorcee. No, because that guy Ali called her a hoe. He called Marjorie Trader Green a hoe and like he, he's threatening to like release some tapes. They're going to prove that she's done something illegal in Georgia and all this stuff. Like they are good going after each other that that part i'm enjoying tremendously um yeah and these are the ones that pride themselves by calling themselves christians exactly yeah i don't yeah they they wrap themselves in that but there was but in addition to that i ended up i don't know what her name i don't know all the names of the people I, i i i kind of am happy to not know everyone's name on fox news but the blonde woman who's also very severe and she was talking about the football player who was, uh, you know, who, who fortunately has opened his eyes today and is able to squeeze his family members' hands. But there was all the speculation right away that it was a vaccine thing and all, you know, that, uh, you know, we don't know if it's related to that. And she, this was it Laura Ingram or somebody? Does that sound right? I don't know. But she, she, yeah, she had somebody on that was talking about, oh, my gosh, are they going to vote again? No, they're not going to vote again, are they? I'm sorry. I just saw everybody clapping because I thought that they were clapping for, I don't know what they're clapping for. Anyway, um, I've got C-SPAN on over my shoulder. Um, But he went after her because he was like, you know, you guys, all Fox News does is peddle in fear manipulation. And she's like, excuse me. And she cut away and ended the interview. (laughs) It was fantastic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He he hit her hard and she wasn't expecting that at all. That was fantastic. I was so happy. I enjoyed yeah, I watched it. the video. I was laughing so hard. I'm like, "Yeah, tell her, baby. Tell her what. What? what tell her. Just tell her that. Yeah. She had no. She wasn't expecting that. She didn't know how to respond. And and I'm sure she's probably like at home crying right now because it happened to her and she's embarrassed by it. And then she's going to come back probably tomorrow and have some kind of rebuttal with the guy not there to be able to give his rebuttal to her rebuttal. But yeah, that that was oh, he just like slam dunked her today, and I was like, yes, thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, it, it this this uh, I don't know they they've gone off the rails. I mean, not that they hadn't before, but it's it is fun. I mean, it, and look, they all went after each other when Trump was running, right? They were all trying to like mm-hmm. they all were bashing him, and they bash each other, and and then ultimately though. All their madness leads to a day like today. So, I mean, we can laugh all we want, uh, but they do not want to govern. They do not want to lead. Uh, they want to cause chaos. They want to cause inefficiency. And here we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And meanwhile, the people who voted all of them in are sitting there wondering, okay, so who, wait, what, where, why, huh, what? 
and they'll still continue to vote for them like dumbass. Did I say a word I wasn't supposed to? I said dumb as the <laughs> That's all right. Two Z's. Dumb as Yep. But it, it's just amazing how this won't teach them a lesson. They'll continue yeah. to support the party and the people who are completely ignoring their constituents because their egos want them all to be the top dog there in that party. Yeah. Well, what I don't, I heard someone say today that the American people aren't going to stand for this. Look, we are, we're, we're all interested in these conversations. There are a lot of people who, this is just background noise and they don't care. I don't know. I don't know what it will take for people to go, oh, Republicans don't get anything done. They're just a a wall of no. But I don't know if it, I don't know if it'll carry. Yeah. See, sometimes your, your ignorance and your embarrassment won't let you acknowledge your mistakes. So you continue doing the same thing over and over. Right. So that's why some these people who voted for all these Republicans, I'm not saying they should switch to Democrats. I mean, there are other alternatives, but why would you continue in a party that doesn't really see things your way and doesn't provide for you like right. they say they will? So. I'm watching the uh, I'm watching the votes come in now to a motion to adjourn. Uh, so far, the, it's almost tied, but it, everyone's moving around like they're getting ready to leave the chamber. So uh, the motion has been uh, moved to adjourn. So we'll see what happens there. It looks like yeah, it looks like everyone's uh, calling it a night, to, uh, and uh, I don't know what tomorrow will bring. We shall see. It's a good thing they're not hourly employees. Yeah, they're right. Yeah, they're company. yeah they're base salary. For sure. Yeah. Have a great night, Mirna. Thanks. Thank you, too. Bye-bye. Bye. Let me take a break here. We come back. We'll wrap up. We are driving it home until 7, which is just right around the corner. I'm Patty Vasquez. Because facts matter. You're listening to WCPT 820. Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Manaqua Brewing Company, and I sell Choice Hard Seltzer, an all-natural grapefruit-flavored booze that you can enjoy for only 100 calories a can. A percentage of the proceeds of every can of Choice Hard Seltzer you buy goes to reproductive rights organizations in the Chicagoland area. Enjoy a light, refreshing hard seltzer this summer and support reproductive freedom at the same time. Now available at Dino's Cardinal Liquors in Gurney, Illinois, and Sugar Beet Food Co-op in Oak Park, as well as in Chicago at Jarvis Square Tavern, Rogers Park, and Garfield's Beverage Express Wicker Park. Please drink responsibly. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. All right, we have uh, just a couple minutes left here as we wind down. Uh, so I mentioned that they had uh, they made there was a motion for adjournment. However, I thought they were, they're all moving around like they're done. It seems as though, in the opinion of the chair. The no's have it. So there's more nays than yays so far. They are they're doing a uh, 15 minute recorded vote right now. And uh, I mean, my guess, it's all almost all Democrats right now are voting for nay. Most Republicans are voting. Yes, let's get out of here. Let's uh, stop the bleeding. So it's going to take a few Republicans to decide uh, on the record that they do not want to adjourn and have it roll into what, what, what did we say? The last one was at 12 was the last one. They want to go to 13. <laughs> Let it roll. So uh, let's see if that uh, there's 10 more minutes for the recorded vote. So I won't be able to let you know uh, whether or not that's going to take. 
take place. But uh, we'll see what happens. We'll come back tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to have an aldermanic candidate in studio. We'll also have a writer, tour guide, historian, Adam Selzer, will join us in studio. So looking forward to that conversation. Hope that you all have a lovely evening. want to thank all of our sponsors, Manaqua Brewing. Uh, follow them on Facebook. And uh, if you go to my Facebook page, the Patty Vasquez Show page, you can find out all the locations where you can pick up some progressive brew. want to thank our friends at Kids Above All. Go to kidsaboveall.org to find out how you can help kids reach their potential. We also want to thank Warren Price from European and U.S. Car Service. The number, by the way, I want to remind you is 773-248-1200 if you want to give them a call. And the website is europeanandus.com. European U.S. European U.S., not and. Europeanus.com. Great work for the folks over there at European U.S. Car Service. Thank you, Lady B. Mike Crutes up next with The Devil's Advocate. Have a great night, everybody. Take care.